Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast presented by BioSteel and powered by GoGo Sports. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. Today, we got Phil Stockley with us. Phil, how's it going? Doing pretty good. Uh, got the uh, got the outdoor rink all cleaned up this weekend. So, you know, it's a bittersweet thing because it means summer's uh, just around the corner. We're in full-fledged uh, spring here in Edmonton. And, uh, yeah, so yard yard's getting tidied up. Uh Boys had their awards out in New Sarepta today for their minor hockey. So, yeah, it was a good day. Perfect. All right. And we got a special guest with us. He does this every time the playoffs just get started. He is a recurring guest on our podcast. And every time we do our playoff preview, Stoff joins us. We like to welcome from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network and color analyst on 630 Ched and also hockey analyst on Roger Sportsnet on the regional coverage. We like to welcome back to the Two Months Podcast, Bob Stoffer. Stoff, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, Josh? Just I gotta ask Phil a question here. Who's the best player ever of New Sarepta? Yeah, Phil. Who's the best? You got me. I, I know you probably know. Well, I played against Steve Godas, who got into the National Hockey League with Pittsburgh in the late 1980s. Uh, and Colin Gregor, Jason Gregor's uh older brother, uh, was from New Sarepta as well. So uh he played on a very tough team with the Victoria Cougars, went on and played uh for the Cade Oxman, they won the 1993 National Championship. They lost to the Bears in the 92 National title, and unfortunately, Colin was suspended. They had a line brawl at the end of the Atlantic Championships that year. Uh, Godas was a, a tricky little player. In fact, his son, I believe his name is off the top of my head, I think his son's name is Graydon. Uh, he, he is with the Edmonton Oil Kings, and obviously Colin Gregor's son, um, Noah Gregor, plays for the San Jose Sharks. So those are be a, and I, I think uh, Colin technically ended up living in Beaumont. But when I was yeah. growing up, we played New Sarepta in the Highway 14 League. I played for Fulton Vale and then the Strathcona Warriors. And Godas was definitely their best player. Nice. No, that's uh, yeah. And Noah Gregor had a pretty good year. I know it was, uh, he didn't really start with the team to start, but uh, when he was in the lineup for uh, on a regular basis, he had, uh, I think he finished with 10 goals around there and had a hat trick not too long ago before the season was over. So definitely, uh, no, definitely that's, that's great. Yeah. I know, I know there's a, there's a crew out of New Sarepta that listens to our podcast now. So they're going to love it. Thanks, Bob. Hey, Perfect. useless, superfluous information. That's kind of what I do. Yeah, yeah, say. But yeah, before we jump into our playoff preview stuff, as Stoff always joins us for this, uh, these type episodes before the playoffs start, kind of would do a quick breakdown of the Calgary Flames and a year of of shock. uh, I know you and I talked uh, Stoff, and uh, Phil's a big Flames fan here, but. um, what do you make of the season that they had? Obviously, the you know you, you've seen a lot of the press conference that the players had too, and how shocking it was in a weird year and in, in all those one goal games and and whatnot. But you know, in a wholesome of what you think, does uh, does Daryl come back? Does Brad come mm-hmm. back? Um, you know, and what do you think did go wrong? And I'll point this: Jeff Merrick said he's never seen a player get demised by another team or another player. In meaning, you know, Jacob Markstrom getting the the, the you know not looking the same after that Oilers series and that transit yeah. over the season. But I don't know what your thoughts on it. We'll throw it to you first, and we'll get my, my my thoughts are I can't believe even I think back to that battle of Alberta. 
And being in that building in the saddle alone for game one, and the Flames won 9-6, and they're up 6-1 in that game, and the Oilers tied at 6-6. And at that point, I knew in that game anything was possible. But Calgary ended up winning game one, as you guys know, 9-6. Matthew Kachuk had a hat trick. And I remember thinking early in the second period when it was 3-1 for Calgary, oof, Oilers might be in trouble here. And Edmonton just got to another level. And... Um, Calgary couldn't answer. Like the Oilers elevated offensively. Markstrom, you know, fought the puck. Calgary, they put a lot of pucks on the net. I think if you looked at the A-grade scoring opportunities from that point on, it was pretty even, but Edmonton's got the better finishers. Um, and a, a small thing in terms of what happened in that series. When Mikey Anderson, and we'll talk about this later, when he rolled Leon Dreisaitl's ankle, that forced the Oilers to play Dreisaitl on the wing because he just he didn't have the... You know, he just couldn't, he didn't have the power to, to play down the middle at center. And they put David with Dreisaitl, and they outplayed that top line for Calgary. Uh, that line of Kachuk, Holm, and Goudreau that was so good. From the middle of that second period on in game two, you know, Leon and Connor dominated the Flames. And I think it altered the course and direction of that organization. Like, I saw Guy Goodrow in Columbus, and he pointed out, the Flames had no answer for those top two guys together. He goes, they put those top two guys together, and it was, you know, he goes, it was incredible to watch, fr incredibly frustrating. Um, and of course, Johnny elected not to resign in Calgary. Kachuk elected not to resign. I think Trey Living did a great job yep. getting what he got ultimately in the uh, trade for Kachuk. Just didn't work. Uh, well, Mark's going to be the same. I think he'll bounce back. He's too good of a goalie, Josh, not to bounce back. But I, for one, am shocked that Calgary didn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah. I mean, they came in, you know, they're the best team of the division last year. I didn't see them not making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It was a definitely a weird year with, uh, with everything that went on and, you know, the new players coming in and, um, you know, even to that point of what you talked about, Geek Goodrow, and, and I know you and I kind of talked about that before and, and, and talking to Foley and Luch and Backlund, who are all friends of our podcast, they kind of say the same thing. I just remember after game two of the season here in Edmonton, Toffoli and Luch came up to see me after the game and I met them and they just, they were, they got lucky to get the two points out of the, out of, out of that first series, that first match uh, in the regular season. And they just said, once those two guys get going, it's uh, it's almost impossible to stop them. So uh, Phil, your thoughts on kind of what happened this season. I know there's some up and down and some frustrating moments, but uh, overall, if they're after a couple of days, what do you think? Uh, it's kind of like we, 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 I just, <laughs> talked about all season, right? If this team never went on a big losing streak or a big winning streak, they just kind of um, would get a little bit of momentum and then it would just die. And then they would lose a couple and then they'd win a couple. And, uh, you know, just going back to even right at the end of the season there, you know, you beat Chicago and then you beat Nashville in that overtime. And where are we sitting? Yeah. Like, like we're, we're, I don't know if we're, if we're quite in, but, we're we're a lot closer, but losing losing to like the the Chicago's like what what did we go zero and three against Chicago this year? Yeah, yeah, zero like yeah, lost lost a game to Columbus, lost to the Ducks. Like those 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 games are gonna and I remember them happening. Even like thinking back to uh, I don't know if you guys remember that Ottawa game where we blew it in the last minute, lost it in overtime. It's yeah. just like, you know, in, in the Ottawa. moment, you're like, ah, you know, we'll take the overtime loss. 
But now thinking back in hindsight, it's like, man, that overtime win would have really helped, right? So, well, they're um, at a real crossroads now, right? Felt like they they got all those guys of the year left in their deals, like you know, Backlund. There's about 15 teams in the league that like to have him as a third line center. Uh, what happens with Lindholm? Does he commit to a long term extension? He is a first line center. He's yeah. a great two way mm-hmm. center. That's a highly productive offensive player. What about Hannafin? You know, Hannafin's an American. They they lost Fox, they lost Kachuk, and they lost Goodrow. Those guys are all American players. So I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens here. To answer your question, Josh, on on, on who's left standing, only one of Brad, in my opinion, only one of Brad Treliving or Daryl Sutter is going to be left standing. I don't know who that is, but I, I can't see the two of them together. Uh, just just everything I'm hearing, it would not surprise me if only one of the two were left. And we all know. That Tree's contract is up. I think he does an excellent job. Um, and Daryl's got two years left, and the reports are it's like four million a year. I, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, it's point two. Daryl's won a couple Stanley Cups. Speaks for itself. Reigning Jack but, Adams trophy winner, too. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> like that that team to me did not reach the zenith of their potential this year, right? And the coach has to accept some burden of responsibility on that. Your job as a coach, just like your guys are, you guys are in the workforce, you manage people, your job is to get the most out of people. And today, the way to get the most out of people is to positively reinforce, get them, get them to know that you care about them and that you believe in them and that you support them. And that's why we're seeing younger coaches be successful in the NHL. So, um, you know, Daryl's accomplished a lot of things. I'll be really intrigued to see how things all shake out in Calgary here. Because I do think, I don't know if he can bring the band all back together between the GM and the head coach. And in terms of the players, they have a lot of good players. But it didn't end up resulting in a playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah. And Eric Francis reported about four days ago that it's a two-year deal left. Two-year deal for Sutter at $4.2 million. Um, so he he had, he had that. And I think Elliot Friedman talked about that uh, on his not recent podcast, the one before that. I think they just put one out today. But, uh, um, yeah, it uh, will be interesting to see. I don't see it. And I'll see, you know, I don't know how many times uh, Tyler Toffoli has had to say how much he cares and loves uh, Daryl and, and yeah. supports him as a coach and and you know he's very vocal about that through podcasts through media um outlets of doing other things so we'll see what happens there um the 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 door isn't closed but uh we'll uh it'll be an interesting off season and you probably can hear it in backland's voice too it looks like he kind of wants maybe a, a change of scenery and in that press conference there he didn't he didn't sound like he was committing anything long term but he did want to win a stanley cup in calgary but uh you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's time for a change for him, and we'll see. Um, good, and as you said, stuff. There would be 15, 16 teams probably lining up to have that guy as their third line center. So, and uh, maybe one here in the the local market, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. But uh, um, we'll move over to the uh, playoffs here. Um, I think this is probably going to be the best, at least first round we've ever seen in, in quite some time with what we've seen this year. Um, and this matchup between LA and Edmonton is going to be a very interesting. The one thing I want to start with Stoff, though, is, you know, Todd McClellan very well. He was here in Edmonton. Um, you know, one of the knocks maybe on him is he's had this great success in the regular season, but maybe it hasn't transitioned over to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I want to start there though. Where, where do you stand here in the level of pressure concern with, with Todd and trying to get this done? Um, you know, I know Drew Doughty was on after hours about a month ago and he really wanted this matchup. He was very vocal about it with Jared Stoll and, and Scott Oak, um, how much he wanted it, how much he didn't, wasn't in the series last year. We'll get to that, but, uh, where's, where are things at here with Todd? Is there more pressure on that situation with LA than it is Edmonton? Uh, no, there's more pressure on Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton's supposed to be here. I'd say the LA Kings are three quarters of the year ahead of where they're supposed to be. Like they were surprised for me to make the playoffs last year. Uh, the fact that they extended the Josh the series to seven games without Doughty and Arvidsson was an accomplishment. I think Edmonton struggled uh, with LA's one three one neutral zone. Um, though in Game Six and Game Seven, I think the others figured it out and elevated. Uh, so, I mean, I think Todd's a good coach. He had, you know, got to two conference finals in San Jose. I think if Edmonton had showed greater composure as a team in 2017, they get to the conference final that year. I mean, they lost three games in uh, to Anaheim by a goal, uh, two in overtime, and they didn't get an even strength goal from the line of Nugent Hopkins, Lucic, and Everly in the first four games. Then they broke that line up and put Pouliot with Nugent Hopkins and Everly and still didn't get an even strength goal. So that's $22 million worth of players that didn't score an even strength goal. Um, and they, they did suffer some injuries on D, but I, I look at the game five and you can point to the hold on uh, on Cam Talbot in front of the net all you want, but the reality is there's a three nothing lead. So I think Todd's a really good coach. I think he's accelerated the process. I think LA's ahead of it. That said, absolutely, he wants to beat the Oilers. And it is game on with some extracurricular stuff. Like, we're not seeing anything out of Los Angeles, getting very little information on that front. Um, you know, they're being, they do have some injuries, especially at forward. I think they're going to be okay on defense. Um, but I, I, I think, I think they had a five year plan. I think the five year plan was to have LA where the team was last year or this year. And I think as a result, the team this year thinks absolutely they can beat Edmonton. And, and they should think that way. But I also think the Oilers have a way better team this year than they had last year. Yeah, it, I will mention Todd's in the last year of a five-year deal. Um, the pressure for me on LA is going to be next season. Yeah. In my opinion. Because I think he's done a pretty good job with that hockey squad. He does. Phil, you have anything there? You want to jump and we'll get into more things. But is there something that sticks out to you that you want to hit West off with? Just uh, like you just mentioned, Drew Doughty. What 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 like? What's he going to bring to this series as opposed to last season? Obviously, well, well, I mean, he's he plays the second most of any defenseman in the league, and the pairing of Mikey Anders. It's interesting what's happened here, you guys. Evander Kane didn't play in the first two games between Edmonton and LA, so the Kings, the Oilers came back from one of those four game road trips, and I was on that trip. Uh, you know, I'm on all the trips, but we were in. Florida, that's where it wrapped. It was a weird trip because we went, Washington gave up four goals on the PK, the Oilers did, and then they went down to Tampa. That's the game where Kane had his, uh, you know, the wrist tendon severed, uh, and Yamamoto got hurt in that game, um, and they won that game, and then they got blown out in Carolina and then bounced back with a victory over Florida. And that was an impressive win for the team in Florida. Like, Florida's got a high-scoring team. 
Florida could be a little, little dangerous for Boston here, depending upon the health of Boston centers. And and, uh, and then they came back and played L.A. And it was a 2-1 game with an empty netter. Trevor Moore got a hat trick. Like, it was just a quiet, efficient game. But the Oilers missed Kane's physicality. And they missed, uh, the, the, you know what? I, I thought L.A. did an excellent job sort of shutting Edmonton down. The second time that two teams met, Kane was with the team on the road. We were in Los Angeles. Edmonton had just recalled Dernay, but not inserted in the middle lineup. They didn't have uh, Eckholm. They didn't have Bukestead. And the Kings got, like, five of the first six power plays in the game and scored four goals. Right? And then there were the three fights at the end of the game. Since that game, which was on January 9th, Edmonton's got the best record in the NHL. I went 29-5-6 and six in the final 40 games after that game. Yeah. I think they galvanized from the third period. And they also added Ekholm and Butte said they, DRNA became a regular. They only lost five of the 36 games that DRNA played. Okay? They had a real good line of, uh, record when he was in there. And obviously Kane came back. And they played L.A. twice late in the year. And Kane had seven hits in the first period of the game in Edmonton and five hits in the first period of the, se of the second game in L.A. And I thought Edmonton physically took it to Los Angeles. Completely different dimension. They were patient. They didn't worry about the L.A. 1-3-1. They put pucks in good spots and got in on the forecheck and pounded the Kings. Every hit was an investment against L.A. Those were different wins for Edmonton. They kind of, in my mind, they kind of beat L.A. L.A.'s own game. So, Dowdy's really good. They got Anderson back. Don't forget, Anderson got hurt early, first minute of that game at Edmonton. So, the Kings and Partisans will say, well, we got Anderson Dowdy together. Oilers fans will say, we got Kane back up and running. And those two players were influential in the results of the respective teams. It should be a good series. And I'd tack on plus one just because Todd's coaching L.A. And I think he knows how to coach against Edmonton. I do think Edmonton's going to win this series. I mean, they've got, you know, several players having all-world years. They're way deeper than they've been, but L.A. is going to be a tough out. Yeah. Phil, you have something there you wanted to? Oh, keep, yeah, keep so, yep. so, so, so living in Edmonton, uh, being around Oiler fans all the time, the hype is like crazy right now. Um, basically, you talk to any Oilers fan, they're winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, every bracket you see coming out, they're winning the Stanley Cup. And uh, like, I got to give credit where credit's due. The Oilers look really good. And uh, the Oilers, um, obviously, I think they can win the Stanley Cup. I think they they, they are good enough to win the Stanley Cup. Um, but it does really remind me of the Calgary Flames last year when they, I like, I honestly felt like they never lost in the tail end of the season last season. And mm -hmm. then, you know, the hype was there. We were all excited as Calgary Flames fans. And then... Everybody knows what happened. We ran into uh, we ran into the Edmonton Oilers, and it and it it hurt really bad when we lost that series. Um, so my question to you is like, what what happens to this fan base if uh, if you go down two games? Well, one of the things that happened last year with Calgary is they played Edmonton's game, Phil. They yeah, you're right. They tried to trade chances with Edmonton and run and gun with the Oilers. They didn't. They built that record by playing strong defensive hockey. And the Oilers were an offensive team all year with a world-class power play, best we've ever seen, highest-scoring team in the league. But they shorted up defensively and shorted up the PK down the stretch. You know, they only gave up seven goals against in their final six games. Um, so 
And I like the fact that Edmonton, even do you recall the last regular season meeting between Calgary and Edmonton in Calgary last year? Because the Oilers won the first two matchups of the year. And the last yeah. regular season, it, it was, was a nine big five. blowout. Yeah. It was a 9 5 victory. And then they win 9 6 again. And I just wonder if that, if that, as crazy as it sounds, if it worked against the Flames, thinking we can just sit there and play Riverboat. And, and then for Daryl Sutter to say after the game, we got beat by one player. Well, who's he referring to? Drysettle? Because Drysettle had 17 <laughs> points in five games. He's obviously talking about McDavid, but Drysettle had 17 points in five games. Zach Hyman scored in every game of that series between Edmonton and Calgary last year. And Kane had a hat trick in game three, and Nugent Hopkins scored two huge goals in game four. I just look at, I see the two teams different because we've seen this from Calgary before. Like they've not been first three of the last six years, where like they have a they come in first and then they have well, a that's huge that, the, yeah, that stats come out just recently, right? Vegas and Calgary alternating the the yeah. division titles, right? So you want you want my theory on this, okay? And you might not like it, but <laughs> I don't think a lot of teams get up to play Calgary. Calgary when Calgary's on their game in the past, they're hard, especially once they got Luch. They're a hard team to play against, right? They're they're they can physically backlands a pain in the ass as a third line center. They got some skill, Kachuk's in your face, you know, and they're not easy to play against. The Oilers wanted to play in the past an offensive game, but they also had McDavid and Drysaddle who could embarrass you. So other teams brought their best against Edmonton, and when we're talking a two point margin between Vegas and Edmonton this year, you know the Oilers. Last year in the back half of the year, we're the best team in the Western Conference, not Calgary. And this year, in the back half of this year, Edmonton's been the best team in the Western Conference again. And 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 if you know, I don't know how much you guys trust goal differential, but I do. I trust take it. a look at the goal differential in the second half of the season. Yep. Edmonton had this year the best goal differential. So it's a fair comment to sit there and say, you know, here's the thing. I mean, what if, what if this, what if that? I just know I have more confidence in Edmonton playing LA this year even though LA's got Doughty than I did last year because I know Edmonton's playing capable of playing a lot more different styles. They can be patient. They can play defensive. They can play physical. They don't solely have to rely on playing run and gun, and that's because they've matured as a team. Now, I may ultimately be proven to be completely wrong, Phil. Like, I, it may be, you know, maybe the order's getting off. Maybe it's too much in the moment for Stuart Skinner. It's a pretty even-keeled guy. Um but in my opinion, as somebody who watches the team over the last couple of years, there is a confidence without a swagger, a conf a quiet confidence about this team, realizing that they're at a different place as a team than they've been there before. The one thing that that that's interesting to me, and and uh, I thought they rushed Fiala back, and then he got hurt again. Uh, there was a game uh, against St. Louis in uh, L.A. He kind of just went went one way and. No one even touched him, and then he kind of reheard himself. Played played the rest of that game, and then played the next game, and then missed. But um, if if and that was the thing, it's Gabe Velarde and him weren't in the lineup the last two times these guys met, these teams met, um, and it's a two-two even series. Um, if Velarde and uh, Fiala play stuff, is how much does that give them more of a dimension? And you know, 
you know, you're not getting a lot of physical out of uh, Kevin Fiala, but you might get it out of out of Velarde. But where are you at with those guys being interjected to the lineup? They are they have traveled to Edmonton, but uh, there's no confirmation if they're going to be playing tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, well, I'd say this about Fiala: it's the way they deploy him. They play him against the opposition's third uh, parents, and he destroys them. So it's a real smart uh, way that Todd handles that, and. Todd would tell you, because I had this conversation on his deck in Kelowna, I, I told him Velarde was going to be a player. Yeah. I like Velarde, right? Like So, I mean, those are, again, the orders, here's where I circle back. Edmonton didn't have Kane and Yamamoto the first time they played last year. And both those guys scored 20 goals last year in the regular season. Kane had 35 goals in 58 games and led the playoffs in scoring. Like, he's more of an established goal scorer than either of those two guys. So Edmonton didn't have those guys available. And conversely, LA didn't have two 20-goal scores in Fiala and Velarde available. It's a huge, for me especially, Fiala. If he can't go, that's a big loss for the Kings because I think he changes the dynamic. Yeah. You know, I, I I think it takes away the opportunity for them to win five, four, six, five games, mm-hmm. not having him. They have to play a specific way. Yeah. Big losses, no question. Yeah, if they play, I think it goes seven. If they don't play, this this might be done in five, um, in my opinion. I think that you see uh, the schedule, what schedule works. Yeah, it, obviously that's the factor that you got the Kings or the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, that totally works out to the older team. Like you got a thirty-three-year-old defenseman and thirty-five-year-old first-line center. A four-day break in between game uh, five and game six that works out to LA's advantage. Now you don't see that really ever in the playoffs. Not no. anymore. I remember Liberto Luongo getting mad when they uh, they played the Islanders the last time they were the Panthers, uh, when the Islanders and Tavares, the only time Tavares ever advanced to the second round, uh, and they had to play three games in four nights, and that's very rare in the playoffs. That was yeah. a back, back game. Uh, uh, as you know, Alexander Petrovich was on that team, and he was in the number one pairing with Brian Campbell, and they were really good. So Petro had a point per game in that series too, but uh, – um, it'll be interesting for sure. I, I, I think Edmonton wins. I do think Edmonton gets to the Stanley cup final, uh, is my prediction, but, uh, we'll get to all that in a second. But, uh, cause I think that the avalanche aren't the same, same. I don't know what, when McCarr is going to be back. Uh, obviously he's playing. Is he right away. They got their top six back. McCarr and Manson are all in. Yeah, so like, that will be good for them. But I think, uh, you know, I don't th- like losing, having not Kadri there, and obviously their captain, Landeskog, who hasn't been there all and year. And Burakovsky. Yeah, yeah, and Burakovsky. So, um, you know, those are big, big losses for sure. But maybe maybe there's another Terry Lekkinen, like he's still there, but maybe someone else steps up like he did uh, last year for them. The Two Months Podcast is presented by BioStill. Use promo code Two Months Pod Twenty Five. That's Two Months Pod Twenty Five, all capitals, to get twenty five percent off your order at checkout when you go to BioStill.ca. Also, the Two Months Podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Use promo code Two Months Pod, all capitals. That's Two Months Pod to get twenty dollars off your purchase at checkout. Hello, Bob Stauffer here from the Oilers Radio Network to the bird construction team at the Suncor Project in Fort McMurray. Great job on the amazing two weeks for doing things clean and safe as everybody looked out for each other. Keep up the great work on this project. Reminder, you have six hours left before you head home, so please keep in mind in terms of your tasks and enjoy the next seven days off as you cheer on your Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs, just like Tony Estevez will be doing. 
Now play La Bamba, Scotty. Skinner, uh, Stuart Skinner. You've seen this guy a lot, Stoff. You've seen him. He's homegrown. Um, he's gotten better at every level um, every year. Um, he's progressed in, in an amazing way, uh, you know, set these records this year. Uh, I think he deserves uh, the nomination, some some Calder votes here. We'll see if uh, where things transition to that. Um, but uh, level of concern with him going into the playoffs, I, I feel like you're probably pretty confident, but uh, you never know. Um, but where are you at with him and the season he had? And, you know, the, the crease is his right now. The fact that he's just so chill, the fact that he's so mature, you know, um, and Connor joked the other day that, uh, and maybe it's not going to be on Letters Plus, but he, we talked a bit about Skinner and just said, there's days it seems like he's older than me. You know, he's already raising a family and he's married and, you know, settled down. Uh, you know, from a family of nine, they, I did see him in that Bantam AAA year uh, with the South Side in 12-13. Every Sunday night, I went out to Millwood's Arena. There was Skinner. There was Tyler Benson. There was David Quenville. There was James Amlin. Uh, and I'm not surprised. And Carter Hart was with Sherwood Park, and so was Sam Steele. So I saw those two teams play twice. Mason Shaw was playing with Lloyd at that time. Saw him play. Um, I got a lot of confidence in where Stewart's going. You know, I like big goalies. He's 6'4". He's got a thick build. He, uh, he has great economy of movement. He's got a real good ability to track the puck. And he's not sporadic in the net he's not jumping around he's not inconsistent he's he's just he's chill you yeah. get the same thing the players will tell you that so i'm fairly bullish on him um and i'm hoping that campbell will bounce you know is, is there to in support if the orders do go on a run and, and i also hope that campbell can bounce back next year because the only play for the orders from a cap management perspective is to give this guy another opportunity to get his game right yeah. Um, Matthias Ekholmstoff, obviously the record with him in the lineup is is unreal. Uh, we know that that Nashville Predators organization have has had a, had had so much in great defensemen along the years, but uh, maybe he didn't get talked about enough. I know Fids, uh, Fids loves him a lot. Uh, Matt Benning uh, loves him a lot. Uh, they talked about how great he was. Uh, he comes here and then more, there's probably more of a light on the, the, the player he is, the person he is. Um, and what he's brought to this organization. Did you think he was going to have this kind of impact? No. Yeah. I thought he'd help. I thought it was a great trade. I hated seeing Schaefer getting traded. Yeah. Josh, because Schaefer is uh he's a unicorn in today's hockey and junior hockey. Nobody fights anymore. Nobody plays with a burr up their saddle. Everybody's got skill. He's a big man with emerging skill that's not timid. He was a, I mean, Ken Holland said in orders now, he was an absolute must to be included in the trade. So uh, I, I thought Ekholm would improve the defense. I didn't think Edmonton would go 18-2-1. He would, I mean, who would have thought he would have gone plus 28 and 21 games? And look what he's done for Bouchard. Not to mention he's eased the workload on Burns, and I think in time he'll even help Robert develop. So I did not have that. It's been a great fit. He's been the most impactful trade deadline day addition in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it, uh, Phil, you got something there. I know you want to talk uh, stuff about, uh, you know, the depth in case there's an injury happening and what uh, this roster looks like going into the playoffs. Yeah, like, especially like Ekholm comes in and that pushes Nurse back to uh, the second pairing, right? Uh, yeah. So, so like, look, like that alone, what that's done for the Oilers' depth. But can you talk like about the Oilers' depth, like up front? 
Well, I mean, the only team in the league with 250 goal scores, 435 goal scores. Um, there's three teams that have 12 forwards that have 10 plus goals Edmonton, Vegas, and Seattle. Uh, so LA has 11. The other, but you know, the other three teams have 12, and there hadn't been a team of 12 since New Jersey back in 93, 94. Edmonton's, you know, it's funny. Um, They've got five in my five forwards capable of playing 18 minutes a game. And you look at goal differential and for the last three full seasons before this year, five on five goal differential when McDavid and dry settle were not on the ice was minus 29, minus 23, minus 22. And I think they had it in the last game of the year, plus 13. So that to me is yeah. an illustration. Uh, Bukestead's <clears throat> helped down the middle. He's another right shot that can help out in the circle. They got to get Costin going. He's been a little quiet, but 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 he provides physicality. Yanmark has been a very effective player for them. He plays 14 and a half minutes, and they just got McLeod back from injury. And I think the first recall will be Dylan Holloway. So that would be the guy that would come up. So there, I mean, you guys, when they lost to Winnipeg two years ago in the Scotiabank North Division, they're basically playing eight or nine forwards. And they were yeah. playing. I mean, they only played in, the, in that uh, triple overtime game that they lost the game four in. They played Nurse and Larson, and Chris Russell was with Tyson Berry. And then they had Cuckoo and Bear, and Cuckoo and Bear hardly played. Like, they're a way deeper team, so I'm not worried about the depth at all, especially given there's only one team that can say we got 250 goal scorers, 435-plus goal scorers, and 12, 10 plus goal scores. Like the other, you know, uh, Vegas doesn't even have a 30 goal score. Yeah. Seattle's got the one guy that sniped 40. McCann's turned into a real good offensive player. And then they have nobody else above 30. So Edmonton's got more scoring depth than anybody else. Yeah, I just like even as you were talking about that, I I that Winnipeg series came up in my mind too. And I remember in that triple overtime game, it looked like Connor McDavid was even skating in mud. Yeah. And and that turnover happened. They came down, ended the series, right? So, um, absolutely. They so also what, lost. What? Phil, they also lost to Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Right. They lost to a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender. And he won three overtime games against them. Yeah. Right? It's a factor. And 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 he's still Connor Hellebuck, so. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll get right. to that shortly, too, so. All right, so we'll do uh, prediction time. I don't know, stuff. Do you want to give predictions? I know. Sure, let's do the. Sure, you're going to get them first, and then I'll do them on the show tomorrow. We'll do the West. Okay. Um. So I got. Uh, uh, I'll. I'll say Edmonton in six. Okay. It's the Todd McClellan factor. Otherwise, it'd be five for me. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say Edmonton in six. Okay. Uh, I think Colorado will beat Seattle in five. Okay. Okay. Uh, Vegas and Winnipeg. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Vegas in six. I think Winnipeg is gonna get a couple games there, and that leaves Dallas and Minnesota. I just think Minnesota lacks a little bit of scoring up. They're really physical, and Dallas has Jake Ottinger, so I'll take Dallas in six games in that series. Hey, Phil, where are you at with yours? I've got it written down. So, like, I have proof that I didn't just copy Bob. <laughs> but I also have the Oilers in six. I have the Colorado Avalanche in five. Wow. I have the Dallas Stars in seven. 
And I have the Winnipeg Jets with the upset in six because of Connor Hellebuck. All right. So I got uh, I got the Oilers in seven. So that's if they get the Kings get their healthy guys back. If not, um, you know, if uh, if Lardy and Fiala don't don't make appearances in this series, I think this one ends pretty quickly. Um, I got Colorado in seven um, in that one. I think this one goes a bit of the distance in that one too. Um, and I got Dallas in seven, and I got Winnipeg in seven. So uh, wow. I think we're getting a lot of game sevens out west, in my opinion. I just I just think everything was so close this year. Um, and obviously adding stone back in the lineup for Vegas will be a big thing if he plays game one, which is trending in that direction, I think, but, uh, all right. Uh, we'll finish up out East, um, and stuff, as you know, I'm a Leaf fan. So, and, uh, and Phil, um, if the Leafs win this series, it is because of why stuff. It's time. Yeah. I don't like Tampa's anywhere near as good as they've been. Oilers were two and zero against Tampa this year too, so uh, yeah, uh, they uh, the Oilers are two and zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Toronto's going to win the series in five games. Okay, okay. Uh, Tampa might get a game at home. I, the, I liked how the Leafs played in Tampa. Did they not sit out Matthews and Marner in that game? Yeah, and uh, yeah, they didn't. He, he didn't play. Uh, Samsonov didn't play, and a couple guys on the back end didn't play either. So they were missing. But they were physical against Tampa. Tampa, Tampa. Tampa does the same thing every time they get behind in games. They start stirring the crap out in the ice. Those older veteran guys. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Maple Leafs in five over uh, Tampa. I just think it's time for them. I realize they're going up against Vasilevsky. I think Toronto's been very unlucky not to have, you know. Now, one thing that has to happen is Marner and Matthews each have 33 career playoff points. Hmm. They've played 39 games in the playoffs. So last year, McDavid had 33 playoff points in 16 games, and Leon had 32 points in 16 games, basically on a you know high ankle sprain. Those guys have got, Matthews and Marner got to be more productive. But I just think that the Maple Leafs are a deeper, more balanced team and more capable of dealing with Tampa Bay. I feel so, so what's the what's the what's the new chirp going to be for Oiler fans to Toronto Maple Leaf fans if Toronto gets through the first round? If they, well, I, there's nothing that needs to be said. I mean, it's, I, it's more wait to see what your own team wait to see what your own team does. Like that, uh, exactly, exactly. Right? Like I'm, I'm more worried about. If I'm an Oilers fan, I want to make sure my team gets to the level they need to get. I'm not worried about what Toronto's. I'm just my own personal opinion is I think the time has come that Toronto's going to win a series. So now I got to tell you the one series that I think is going to be way closer than everybody think is uh, uh who's Boston playing? Yeah, you just said earlier you said it earlier, Florida, and, and I think that's going to be a hard series for Boston. You know, Krejci didn't finish the year in their lineup at center. He's well, in his mid 30s, Bergeron got hurt late, you know, last game of the year in the first period. They didn't bring him back. Um, Boston does have depth. They were, you know, a wagon all year long, but Florida can score and Florida's tough. Yeah. Like, and they got a guy in Kachuk that drags his whole team in, you know, in a quagmire and they, they can back it up. You know, they got Giovanni Smith and, Longberg, who used to play for the Flames, runs around a little bit. Their defense is Goodness. really great. They create a lot in the back end. I, I I know there's people picking Boston for. 
I think Boston will win the series, but I think it's going to be six or seven for the Bruins. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we'll see what Olmark does. He hasn't had that experience either, too. So it's uh, um, there. Um, as for the least stuff, um, you know, their their power play hasn't been good in the, in the playoffs. Uh, besides, I think, 16, 17, or sorry, 17, 18, it was uh, 26%. Other than that, it's been under under 20. Um, what do you what do you think is the reason because of that? And what has, you know, we don't in that times for, for a while there, I don't think it has happened for, for at least this season, but uh, you know, I think Connor and Leon in their own category. And then I think there's a category below maybe McKinnon's with them too, or whatnot. But uh, what is it with the lease and that killer instinct as Shannon, uh, Brendan Shanahan said that they didn't have last year uh, in the years to come, but they might have it this year. Well, in fairness, they were playing the two-time Stanley Cup champs last year with the best goaltender in the world. Yeah. Vasilevsky. Right? I just know what I've seen out of Tampa this year. There's holes in that team's game. They're not, like, they played a lot of extra hockey the last three years. They haven't been able to keep the band all together. They're right for the picking in that series. Yeah. Um, Carey Price, 930 save percentage, final three games of Toronto-Montreal in the second round in 20... 21. So that's Tampa, Montreal, 2020. There's no excuse against Columbus. They should have won that series. Like, I'm sorry. They should have found a way to beat Columbus. And then Cotterie, two years in a row against the Bruins. If he just stays in one of those series, do they win? Because he's clearly an impactful player. Is there, you know, does it, you know, does it chart another course of direction for the organization if they would have won one of those two series? I don't know. They're in on everybody. They're an expansive group. They've got more guys in analytics and everything else. I just think Tampa Bay, believe it or not, is the right team for them to play in the first round. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Phil, what do you got? Bob got some in five. You got uh, Toronto or Tampa. Who do you got there? I got Toronto in six. All right. And I got Toronto in seven. So for some reason, I think it was game seven. What about Boston, Florida? Boston, Florida, you, you make a good point, and that team's been different since uh, Keith Kachuk went on uh, TSN radio with, with uh, Cole Yakovo and uh, Aaron Korolnik and called uh, called out the uh, Panthers. They've only lost once, and that London loss was against Toronto. I think they're 7-0-1 seven, seven, uh, in that stretch since he called them out and said that they're soft, but... Uh, I don't know, man. So, this is something with that trophy. You win it. Um, you know, when you face adversity, sometimes it, 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 when you haven't faced it all year and it gets to you in the, yep. it, it, it can kind of spiral out of control. Um, I want to say, uh, I say Boston in six, but uh, the heart kind of says Panthers in seven. But uh, um, so that's what I got. What do you got, Stoff? Yeah, yeah. I'm going, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Boston six. Six. Okay. Phil, you got. I got Florida in seven. Florida, I think Matthew Kachuk's. I think Kachuk's gonna have a monster series. All right, that's just gonna rub it in the faces of all the Flames fans, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it's just part of the roller coaster ride of being a Flames fan, right? There you go. Okay, we'll finish up on the other ones here. Stop. What's your thoughts on this uh, Devils versus Rangers uh, series? And uh, will uh, Hughes uh, play on the back end for them in the in this series here? Well, Hughes, well, Severson's going to be an interesting guy to watch in the offseason. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be, yep. I mean, they, they've got Hamilton, who they love, and he had a huge offensive season. 
Marino, the former Oilers pick, is their defensive guy. Uh, I think they got two right shot. Isn't Nemich with them as well? Yeah. Uh, in the future, so they're they're looking good on D. I do think Blue Hughes plays, and I think the Rangers win the series. Mm-hmm. I think that New Jersey's unproven up front. I think they're a little small. They are fast, so I think the Rangers win that series in six games. Six K. Yeah, and I I got the Rangers in six too. Phil, I also have the Rangers in six. All right, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, that'll be uh, that'll be good. And then obviously we got the Carolina Hurricanes in the uh, in the New York Islanders. Uh, for some reason, you know Sorokin has it in my head here that he is he is one of the best in this in the game. Uh, I think there's an upset here. I think losing Pacioretty, who you really didn't have all year, but Shnevchikov not being there too, uh, I say the uh, there's an upset here, and I do do think it is the uh, Islanders in seven. Stoff. I'll say Carolina in five. Okay. I know everybody, everyone's thinking the way you are, Josh, but my theory on this is Carolina was so far ahead for so long uh, that they didn't need to play at that level to close out the season. I grant you they haven't scored the same since Vechnikov went out. It's basically a 40 and 30 goal score out of their lineup. To me, they're still a really good team. They get a lot of offense from the back end, and the Islanders have struggled at times to score, and I know Sorokin's good. But I think Carolina's gonna I think Carolina's actually gonna be okay in that series. I think the winner in five. And Phil. I have it written down, okay. I swear to like I swear it's all <laughs> written down. But uh I say the New York Islanders will give their uh, old faithful one win and go down in five to the Carolina Hurricanes. All right. Great minds to collect, Phil. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There you go. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all teamwear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago, and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code two mutts at checkout for 15% off your order. We interrupt the two mutts podcast to bring you some breaking news. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again, revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new beard hedger pro kit from a fresh shave to a beard trim, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now, you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code 2MUTS for 20% off and free shipping. Listen, I'm a real lazy guy. I hate shaving every day. Ask my wife. I leave thousands and thousands of little stubble in the sink. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. Say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. 
it all starts with the beard hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixin' faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming does not need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can please your wife and shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. This kit does not end there, though. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, beard shampoo and conditioner, then beard oil, and finally, beard balm. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code 2MUTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code 2MUTS. Manscaped, beard hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. The Two Mutts Podcast is brought to you by Free Bars, and Free Bars are arguably the best tasting energy bar. You might have heard Free Bars on the podcast before, and maybe you've tried them at Edmonton's most popular farmer's markets. Free Bars focus on three main things for their bars. One, Free Bars are free of priority allergens, including peanuts, nuts, dairy, eggs, gluten, and soy. Second, Free Bars taste great. I was talking to Luke, the man behind Free Bars, and the comments they get while sampling is always positive. Everyone loves how they taste. Three, they are full of healthy and whole ingredients, nothing artificial and no preservatives. Free Bars are made right here in Edmonton, and they are quickly popping up in stores around the city. Free Bars use a mixture of hemp hearts, honey, and gluten-free oats as their base. And then there are the three flavors— chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip, and the popular coconut. Free Bar's list of ingredients is short. Like in the coconut, there's just hemp hearts, honey, gluten-free oats, shredded coconut, and coconut oil. That's it. As school gets back into the swing of things and hockey season starts, parents and kids are bringing Free Bar's to the rink as a healthy, delicious snack. Want to try? Listeners of this podcast will get 20% off with the promo code 2MUTS. That's one word, 2MUTS, and the discount will be applied at checkout. Learn more about free bars by visiting us at Strathcona's Farmer's Market, Bountiful Farmer's Market, and St. Albert Farmer's Market, or online at freebars.ca. Want to pick it up at the store? Check out freebars.ca for a full list of our realtors. Don't forget the promo code two months and have arguably the best tasting energy bar today. That's free bars. Just one last one for you stuff. Were you shocked? Uh, and, and we'll fit it. That's our end for the playoff stuff. Were you shocked what happened with the penguins and, and Burke and Hextall get being let go? And, and that will, that's the last question as we finish up the pod. Well, it was weird because I saw Brian <laughs> and Ron in Pittsburgh when we were there. And the order shredded the Penguins. Like they've, mm-hmm. uh, I think the score is 
20 to 7 the last four times the two teams have met. Like Leon and Connor get up for that to game. play against Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. And they were uh doing the, the fire hexall chant during that game. It was six one in the third period for Edmonton. And I'm telling you right now, Connor and Leon laid off a gas pedal. Connor scored on a penalty shot goal against the Smith. He didn't even react. Like he it's almost like he didn't want to rub it in on on Sid. Their bottom six was awful. Some of the moves they've made have been really perplexing. I didn't get the Grandland trade. That that made no sense to me at all. They got lucky that somebody took Kapanen off their hands. St. Louis did. Um, so to be, to be honest with you, given that there was new ownership, I'm not surprised that they made the decision they did in Pittsburgh. Yeah. All right. Well, Stoff, uh, thanks for everything. Here. Yeah. Call me uh, before the conference final if you want. Yes, we'll do that for sure. So uh, you have and, and Phil, to- Phil, you better you better look up your new Sarepta best players on a new Sarepta. Pick I will. Pick, maybe pick maybe maybe one of my boys will be on that list one day. Hey, if they can <laughs> overcome your genetics. They might have a chance. <laughs> exactly. Maybe maybe yeah. yeah. We were we were talking about that today. There was one boy in U eighteen, and he's like six seven. Yeah. So I'm five eight. My wife's five zero. So it's like yeah, uh, not looking too good. So <laughs> well, there's a kid coming up in the Bantam draft named Keaton Verhoff. He's six foot four, and 195 yeah. pounds. He's a right shot defenseman. He's fourteen. He's going to be yeah. unreal. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, there's guys already in the WHL that think this guy's going to have a pro career. They're they're like, he's a slam dunk to play. Now, he's not Bo Meester in terms of being as dynamic of a skater, but he might be a little bit more well-rounded in his game. He's got a little bit of a, you know what, up his, he's living with Jerome McGinley, playing for uh, Rink in Kelowna, and uh, he's got a chance to be a real player. Jerry Johansson client, too. and uh, There you go. Nicely I'll- done. Exactly, and I'll say this: Vernon Fiddler's kid, Blake Fiddler, who's going to be with the Oil Kings next year. That kid is going to be a player too. He is six uh, three, hundred and eighty five pounds. Awesome. Uh, he's uh, he's going to be a stud, and he can walk the line. So, uh, um, if he uh, and I'm not just saying because Vern's uh, Vern's our boy. That's just in my opinion from what I've seen of uh, Blake this year. So. How many times have you asked Vern uh, about the time he uh, mimicked uh, Kevin Bx? Uh, quite a few times. That's, that's <laughs> one of the funniest things of all time. The best meme ever. And it was just funny because Jamie Ben came to him. He's like, you're trending on Twitter. And he's like, what did I do? And so they showed him and it's just uh, life of its own. And the best was uh, when uh, during the COVID and stuff, uh, BX took a picture of that and put it behind his screen in Anaheim when he was doing Hockey Night Canada from his home. That was good stuff. For sure. All right, Stoff. Well, enjoy the week. Uh, have uh, have fun. Let's get after it and uh, play La Bamba, baby. So have a good All right. Day. Stay safe, fellas. You too. Take care. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys.